Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average and auto customers Qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Following up on John's question about the, the Giants... You know, they're up to a faster start. The Eagles, the Cowboys, you know, they've kind of all been rebuilding too the last couple of years, and it seems like they're farther ahead. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at, at this point? Quarterback. Oh, that was my buddy Ron Rivera from Monday. Stepping right in it a little bit. Tried to clean it off his shoe come Tuesday. We'll be discussing that coming up. But first, we say welcome to PFT Live, presented welcome. by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Peacock audience, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports NFL on tape delay, but better never than late or something. Podcast audience, wherever you are, and hello to each of you. I was told yesterday they get to enjoy the profanity in full bloom without edit so maybe some prefer the podcast i don't know i prefer wednesday to the other days of the week because we are able to blend the week that was with the week that's coming and really focus on the stuff that really stands out we're not beholden to any one event we can pick and choose more on wednesdays than we can any other day of the week if that makes any sense, and I'm not sure it does. Good morning, Christopher. Uh, hello, Michael. How are you? Eh, we're in the middle of the week. You're right. It's a little bit of like news from last week, news looking forward. Uh, we don't necessarily have to hit on last week. I, I hear what you're saying. I know. You're right. It is It is a good transition day. Kind of like put put week five to bed, but at the same time, we're still kind of looking ahead at week six, and there's some storylines to look out for for how teams look. And, of course, yeah, the Washington thing here, and they're, they're creeping up on a game tomorrow. Another, another, what do you think? We can get another 9-6 type of football game like we did last week? Fireworks in this one. But I, I guarantee there will be more fireworks in this Thursday night football game than there was last week. It's not a, it's not a very high bar to pass, that's for sure. I just hope that more total points are scored in tomorrow night's game than runs are scored in whatever baseball game is happening. And I've been paying 
no attention to any of it. It's not even on my radar screen anymore, and it's all because the Pirates suck. That's the reason. And I say that knowing full well I was invited to go out and throw out a first pitch of the game this year and had very cordial interactions with yeah. someone from the Pirates. And I have been a Pirates fan since I was a little kid. I used to listen to games on the radio with Bob Prince on the call with my grandfather when I was six years old, and he would spit tobacco everywhere but in the spittoon. Oh, so you had and, a grandfather like that? He'd put it it'd be all yes. over the floor and that? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But why even have, like, whatever the most cherished piece of art or silverware or cutlery or whatever, that should have been the spittoon because it's never getting any tobacco juice in it. That's the only safe zone. Where it was supposed to go was never where it went. But anyway, we'd listen to baseball, and I can remember, like, 79, the We Are Family Pirates with Willie Stargell, and they had the old school hats and the stars all over them and beating the Orioles for the World Series championship, and that was the last time they were even in. The World Series was 1979. Well, the Vikings the way, stink, and you stay with them. So, what? come on, hang in there with the Pirates. What do you, you – But know? at least – at least <laughs> they tease me they tease into you. thinking <laughs> they can be good. The Pirates have just been ass right. for 30 years. Yep. And I knew that it was going to happen. But, I'm know, sure they'll funny. send you another invitation for first pitch here soon after the segment's over. <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll forget. They'll forget by next year. Um, not, not that I'll go next year, although I – we had the conversation. I was outside throwing with my nephew at one point in the summer. It's like, you know what? The old man can still groove it. I can groove it. Now, it's one thing to throw up my backyard. It's another thing to have people actually yeah, watching, watching and waiting and right. hoping that you screw it up. But, right. you know, it, it's fine. I'm going to peel back the curtain. We have this banter that we engage in. Some days there's not much. Some days we waste 10 minutes of the show. And as I was getting ready this morning, I was thinking, what are we going to talk about at the top of the show? I got nothing today. And we just start talking. It's like. It's like two old friends on the telephone. That's right. You know what you're going to talk about when you call your friend up? You just start talking about yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me tell you. Last night was the anniversary, 30th anniversary. I don't know if you saw me tweet this, but not that you're ever on Twitter because it pisses you off and you start going after people. So I wish you were on Twitter more often. But last night was the 30th anniversary of the Deion Sanders double day where he played for the Falcons in Miami. Special day. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Helicoptered into downtown. Right. My wife and I were at that game, October 11, 1992, 7-1 to one win by the Pirates in the NLCS. Now, at the upper deck. They didn't play Dion, right, because they were mad? Is that they made him sit? So he flew there for nothing, basically, right, if I remember yeah. correctly? See, I wouldn't know if he played or not because when you are in the upper deck yeah. at Three River Stadium, right. it's like ants playing baseball. I remember being at those games, 91 and 92, because both years the Pirates and the Braves got together and both years the Braves beat the Pirates. I I couldn't tell if the batter hit the ball. I had to watch the fielders to see if they reacted to something. If right. they kept standing there, then it was a ball or a strike. Yeah, the old nosebleeds. Yeah, must have hit the ball. It was horrible. Right. It was horrible. The upper deck of Three River Stadium was the worst place in the world to watch a baseball game. And I suspect that, like, at Veterans Stadium and Riverfront Stadium and all those ashtray, cookie-cutter yeah. Early Football, 70s, baseball, multi-purpose, stadium. exactly. The upper deck, the, why they were even high go? high and vertical. You're right. Why even they were. go? You're right. Yeah. I, I I hear you there. I, I've uh, 
Uh, th- that's the good thing about a real baseball stadium is the upper deck is still a very enjoyable experience. Not that I've been up there a whole lot, but even at Yankee Stadium, I have been up there. Can't hide money. Right? No, can't you can't hide, hide it. You can't hide money and connections, and damn, did I have them growing up. So, damn, I was in good seats more times than that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Back not- in 1992, <laughs> I, I, w- I had neither. Uh, I was just getting started in my law career. I had a decent job in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I was poor, but right. – didn't really have the connections now had the connections for the hockey tickets because the law firm that my wife worked at did all the work for the penguins yeah so, so that was convenient. like the 92 oh man stanley cup playoff run Good time we went to a bunch of games and i right. didn't have to pay a cent it right. was awesome <laughs> that, that is awesome that was a good time for the i mean that was like Every year, it seemed like the Pittsburgh Penguins were in the in the chase for the cup at that time. Really, one of the great teams I remember of my childhood. I mean, Mario Lemieux and uh, uh, who was the sidekick? Yaramir Yager. I Yaramir mean, Yager. gosh, it just felt like they were always uh, had a chance. Paul to Coffey. Win yeah, sure. Kevin Stevens. Holy cow! Yeah, that's. Uh, I know. I can. I, I can rattle off about. more. I can rattle off more names of Penguin players from that era. And I came from today. And where I worked, I worked in one of the, the larger buildings in Pittsburgh. And my office looked out at the Civic Arena where they used to play. And I can just remember, like, being really amped up and excited to go to a game that night. Like, it was a big deal. And hockey is back, they tell me. We're not allowed to talk it about is. it anymore since I it's not on NBC any right. longer. But we just did. But I can just remember, just like, like I would – and I would do anything I could to avoid working, frankly. But I just remember standing there looking out the window at that. And it's like, ah, it's going down in there tonight. I can't wait. I mean, it's, it, was a, it was a fun time. Well, the right, Yankees when, won last night, just so you know. All right, just to keep you up to date. That's the only team who are they playing? About. They're playing are they the Guardians, playing? the AKA, the old Cleveland, you know what? Yes. Uh, yes, but they're the Guardians. It was a good game, 4-1, Yanks. So they're up 1-0 in their series, Mike. So what level are we even at? See, I liked it when it was just two teams – Best of seven used to be best of five. When the Pirates beat the Reds in 79 to go on to face the Orioles, it was best of five, if I recall correctly, and there's a chance I don't. Now they got layers and levels, and, like, where even are we now? We're in the the, the divisional series. They kind of doing it like, like, um, like football used to be. Six teams in, two teams get a bye. The other four play in the wild card round. That's over, and now we're in the divisional series, and you know they'll they'll play this out to to go to the championship series. How long is the wild card round? Is the it wild one card game is still? three games, best? three best okay. of three, Mike. And what was different this year, which I didn't know they had changed, is all three were at the home. You know, the team that had the higher seeds stadium. So they played three uh, in a row there. That was a different little wrinkle. And now we're into, gosh, I'm. Blanking out here. We're into seven game series here. Best I think of seven now. now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. NLCS, ALCS, best of seven. I do know that much about. Well, this baseball. is DS, I... not CS. Yeah, I think we're well, at what's five. DS? Still. So is there still I another? Think... La- there's still another level after this. This is ALDS, and then we get to the oh, ALCS. Then CS. Right. Oh my God! Right. Thank God I don't follow baseball anymore. It's too <laughs> much. Jeez, jeez, you're a jerk. I miss. I miss being a baseball fan. I was a huge baseball fan, Chris, in the seventies, mid seventies. I was a bigger baseball fan than I was a football fan because the Pirates were good. Sorry, I was more interested when my favorite team was good. And I knew in 1992 when the Braves beat the Pirates in Game 7, it was ending. I had no idea for how long it would be over, but it's over. And the whole model doesn't work. And nobody cares enough to change it. That's the thing about baseball. Like, the Yankees are always going to be good because they have all the money. But that's the big difference. As we transition to what we're supposed to be talking about, in the NFL, 
They are so much more committed to parity. Yes, They're they are. They're committed to sharing the big money, and it makes it more exciting. And, yeah, you don't have one team that feels like it's got an inside track to win every year or a small handful of teams that matter. Everybody matters. But you get a situation where the only reason to go to a Pirates game is because the ballpark is nice. The team sucks, and it sucked for 30 years. And every once in a while, the the owner of the – the pirate's name is trending on Twitter because people are up in arms and they want to get rid of him. Well, you can't force him to sell. As long as he's making a profit, you can't make him sell. And so they just – and people keep showing up. Yeah. People keep going. They just accept it. I don't accept it. I haven't been to a game in years. I don't, I don't watch the games. I don't listen to the games. I've got no desire. I've got no interest. you got to give me something that, that at least is reasonably interesting – I, 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 and, and I was as diehard as it gets in the 70s. I mean, I was a kid that would get the newspaper, open it up, study the box scores, learned, you know, learned a lot about the game. I still remember a lot about it. I know it's changed since then, but I miss it. Not that I have time to really watch it now, but I, I do miss being a baseball fan, but I got no reason to be. All right, well, tune in. I, en- I tune envy in. you that the Yankees aren't ass. Yes. Your it, team isn't ass. Well, that's, that's, I'm fortunate that I live up here in this area. You're right. For that reason, you're, they're not, they're not in, in favor of you know, total league balance. The Major League Baseball, they want the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, those teams to be kind of the pinnacle franchises. It does. They, they set it up that way, and then, yeah, they make it hard. But we do see teams like the Tampa Bay Rays and, you know, other teams come out of the woodworks here and kind of the athletics for all those years and Billy Bean and all that stuff where, you know, they are extremely competitive more times than not, even though they're not making that money. That's it's it's kind of interesting how they finagle it and figure it out. But you're right. For the most part, it's it's a powerhouse league. But even in the NFL where it's set up for parity and every team to have a chance, some teams continue to be ass, and we turn back to the Washington Commanders on that point. On that note. <laughs> teams do dysfunctional things. And look, I said this yesterday, card-carrying member of the Ron Rivera fan club, but Ron on Monday stepped right in it with both feet. Come Tuesday, he got a stick. Anybody that grew up in the 70s had Keds. And you had those grooves in there. You had to get a stick and dig it all out. That's what he was doing yesterday. Here's Rivera with his apology for what he said on Monday, followed by Carson Wentz with his thoughts on what Rivera had to say about the team's quarterback. I actually talked to Carson this morning. In fact, I talked to the whole team just so everybody understood that you know I had a mea culpa moment and that uh, I should know better. And I created a little bit of a distraction, and that's the one thing we try not to do. And it's one thing that I'm very aware of. I, I mean, again, let's you know, be honest. It's, it's it's one of those things that, you know, when you misstep, some people just can't wait to, 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 to dive onto it and jump onto it and hold onto it, and you know, without an opportunity to explain yourself. So that's, hey, that's on me. I should know better. But, yeah, Coach addressed it, handled it. Nothing for me that I'm overly concerned about. Coach is a very straightforward, upfront guy, and um, he addressed it in the team meeting, which I thought was really cool, um, and what he meant by it all. So, uh, I feel very confident in that. I, I was fully in support of everything Ron Rivera said until that that little bit at the end about, oh, when you make a mistake, everybody wants to jump on you before you can explain yourself. Well, Ron, you could have explained yourself whenever you wanted. You could have called another press conference that day. You could have done a conference call with reporters. Hey, folks, I'd just like to address something I said earlier today because I was wrong. Yeah, the, the, he, he said something that opened the door to criticism. And – he set the record straight the next day, but he could have set it straight whenever he wanted to. So that part I really didn't like. 
Carson Wentz taking the high road. Who knows what's going on behind the curtain? And this is the one team that doesn't need a distraction like this, Chris, because they got a short week game against the Bears on Thursday night. How do you process this and put it behind you and go out and win one of the few games left on your schedule that you got a chance to win? Yeah, no, and you know, you know, Mike, I do want to bounce, you know, back on what you said there because you're right. It is a little thing right now in our culture of like people in the spotlight. How, how dare you call me out on something that I said that was wrong or not right for our football team, and now it's become a discussion. This is what we're here for. We're not trying to be a jerk to you, Ron Rivera. We were actually trying to sit here and tell you, whoa, why would you do that? What was the point there? And it's shocking because I don't think we really expect things like that from Ron Rivera's mouth a whole lot. He's usually not that type of guy, kind of, you know, semi place the blame and then semi place the blame on a guy where everybody's kind of waiting to jump on his back no matter what anyways. So he kind of, you know, adds fuel to the fire in that, in that, you know, department there. I think that's why we were all talking about this, you know, and I think we all thought a little bit that it was like factually a little misleading too in a conference that the quarterback position has not really been very settled. You know, that's what we said yesterday. You know, the quarterbacks, well, damn, I mean, the Giants and Daniel Jones, as we discussed, I mean, I, I don't think they've like, wow, we got our guy the last three or four years and we're building the franchise around him, let alone they're on what? Their third coach, their third head coach out of four years. So they've had to deal with their own turmoil. So that doesn't make sense. You know, Philadelphia, it's Nick Sirianni's second year. And quarterback has just become like, oh, okay, I think we got a good one here in, in the last few months, in the last, in this month, really. I mean, we went into the season still questioning Jalen Hurts. So that's where it didn't hold merit. And that's where it kind of seemed like excuse-making or piling on Carson Wentz because that's the easy thing to do. And I know that's not what he meant. I know. And, and I'll give him credit because the first thing to do, and this is where Ron is awesome, is he is a straightforward guy. There is no BS in him. And good for him to recognize and not, like, double down and try to, you know, explain his way out of it and try to justify how he was saying it. You know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's good to see that he just realized, hey, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. And then to address it with the team, that's the right thing to do there, too. That kind of ends at least that part or the conversation in the locker room. But still, the damage was done. He opened the door a little bit for the Wentz, you know, the Wentz, let's pile on him conversation. And that's where I think we all felt like it was wrong. So on the dust-up meter... Yeah, I'm right. Surprised. I'm surprised right. you didn't work that into <laughs> it. Was off, it was the offensive side of the ball. It wasn't the, de the, the defensive dust-ups. Where would you put it, 1 to 10, with 10 being the dustiest of the dust-ups? Well, I, I would say, you know, I, honestly, in a locker room, I think it's like going to be like a 5. It's one of those things where, hey, guys went in the next day, and they're like, damn, okay, whatever. You know, wow, you know, shocked he kind of said that about Carson. I'm sure there was a few guys even on the offense that were like, damn, Carson's like one of the least of our problems here. He hasn't been perfect. So that's where I don't think it's a huge deal to the team. I think it was more of a, if we go into the media dust-up meter there, that's where it's a little higher on the scale. And that's where I think you get into the seven and a half, eight range here. You know, again, because I just think it's given everybody a jump off point. Everybody wants to jump on Carson Wentz. We know that. And some and we know some of it's, you know, right, rightfully so. 
But at the same time, I don't think this is the time to do it. Not right now. And not with what we've seen from that team, Mike. I know like you and I are sitting here and we don't go, well, Carson Wentz is a superstar. But we've sat here a lot of weeks in those Sunday meetings and everything and gone, whoa, that was a great throw. Whoa, what a play. Whoa, is he going to get hit every time he drops back to pass? Are they ever going to be able to run the ball? And I think that's where you know we feel for him a little bit in this situation. And what it does in a weird sort of way, it keeps the commanders relevant at a stage in the season. Mm. And as of this weekend, we're a third of the way in where we are looking for teams to not look at. We are looking for teams to write off and they're not important and they're sinking and they're fading out of view. And now they put themselves back into view because of something like this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Back to Ron being upset that people were trying to pile onto him for something he said. This is kind of the blowback to cancel culture. And I think everybody who rails against cancel culture just wants to have no scrutiny, no criticism, no reaction to anything they ever say. They want to be able to say and do whatever they want without anyone saying yeah, they no shouldn't. Repercussions. No repercussions. Not, not even a conversation right. about it. How right. dare you? How, How dare, dare you, you say anything about that thing, thing I said? Yeah. Right. Yes. Just you should accept it and move on. I should be able to say whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. How dare you for noticing that thing that I said and having something to say about it? That is at the heart of the the violent pushback against cancel culture. And I'm, I was surprised by that because that doesn't seem like Ron. I think that may be, frankly, a byproduct of hanging around the rest of the crew there. Del Rio. Well, they, yeah. you know, Mike, the other the other thing I always think of in these situations where are always like, you know, if it was vice versa, right? That's where I always, that's where I kind of always put things to in the locker room or, or in these sort of situations where I go, let's, let's flip it around. What if, what if it was the player, a player said, Something like this, and just said, "Well, coach. I think the difference between what? yeah, you oh, know. could you imagine? Well, yeah, coach. that's what I mean. The coach, you know, <laughs> it's just he hasn't been able to find the quarterback, and he's a defensive coach, and we haven't played that good a defense, and you know, it's his, it's his third year here, and you know, I don't know. And that's where I just again, I know it's not apples to apples there, but that would be we'd have the next press conference, the coach would be going, you know, yeah, we just he'd have a team meeting, we don't need that distraction, we don't need to say those things." You know, he'd say have to address that in a meeting with the media and talk about, you know, we don't need those distractions. I understand their frustrations there. And then behind closed doors, he's going to be like, you know, mother effing the fact that the player really said that and now has put, you know, the pressure on the coach and the spotlight on the coach and starts the groundswell for, whoa, maybe the coach shouldn't be the head coach type of thing there. And that's where I think, you know, I look at it and go, yeah, the tables were turned. I know it's not exactly apples to apples. It'd be a really, really big deal. So that's where, you know, yeah, coaches sometimes uh, don't want to hear it when it's the other side.
And look, let's say this, even though we've spent way too much time talking about one of the worst teams in the NFL, if we are going to boil it down to one person responsible for the current fate of the commanders, it's not the quarterback, it's not the coach, it's the owner. Yeah. It's Daniel Snyder. Sure. Who isn't even the owner right now, and it's been that way for over a year. You've got a ship without a captain. You've got... All of these controversies that are still swirling around under investigation by the league for allegations that were made during the congressional investigation that is supposedly coming to a head, which sparked Snyder to commission a lawyer to send a very aggressive letter last week to that committee to try to seize the momentum or whatever. And the owners are getting together next week in New York, and who knows what they're going to have to talk about with Daniel Snyder. But that's one of the reasons why they can't get a good quarterback. Who wants to go there? Every year there's a veteran quarterback out there who is scanning the standings looking for the right place for him to play. When is any of them ever going to say, Washington's the right place for me, Chris? It ain't going to happen as long as Daniel Snyder owns that team. Well, it, it's definitely, it definitely seems like right now it's a spot where, oh, I don't have a lot of places to go, and uh, okay, if I got to go to Washington, so be it. I mean, we know Russell Wilson squashed it, right? We know by all due accounts, really, you know, and again, I don't know this 100%. I'm going to bow to the other powers in the NFL that are insiders and stuff, but it certainly seems that, you know, they were kind of on the inside track for Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was like, wait, play for Washington? I think I need shoulder surgery. Um, <laughs> I, I got to go get my shoulder worked on. Uh, you know, again, it just it seems like that to a degree. You know, that, uh, that definitely put a wrinkle in the, okay, wait, Washington might want Jimmy Garoppolo and ended it, so it can make you speculate nonetheless. But, uh, yeah, right now it is not a hot commodity. It's certainly not, and, and I think you're right. The owner is the the main culprit there and why we think that my understanding is they basically had three pots going at quarterback Russell Wilson Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz and Wilson wasn't going to go there the Broncos thing was already the inside track done deal and some would say that Washington didn't even get a fair chance but what was going to happen what was going to change just like with the Rams and the Lions the year before and Matthew Stafford. What was really going to change there? Was Matthew Stafford going to say, yeah, go ahead and right. trade me to Washington? Right. And I think Washington tried to get in on that too. Yeah. Well, they were mad because they didn't get a fair they didn't shot. Get a chance. Right. Yeah. That's why. And they got clowned for this. And I think this is wrong. They called every team, including the Chiefs, to see if they had any quarterbacks available. That's just we're turning over every rock. We're not going to allow this time around. There's going to be no doubt. We're calling every team, all right? We're not going to get frozen out of any conversation. We're calling every team to see if there's a chance. Of course, some of the teams, there's no chance, but at least you can say we didn't miss anybody. And they still got Carson Wentz. And, and, and again, like you said, he hasn't been horrible. He, he hasn't been. There's a lot of issues there. There's a but lot. If we're going to boil it down to one person right. as to why this team is fading to the back of the pack and is the worst by far in its own division. It's owner, not coach, not quarterback, not anyone but owner. Well, the the, the thing that I that, that I think is annoying about it too is just in that in this specific situation, you know, I think you could really honestly say too and go, I I mean, again, I know it's not perfect, but I'd go. I, am I wrong? But it, it to me, it seems like it's the best quarterback play they've had in Washington in three years. So that's where the other part of it for me is an ex-quarterback and a football player going, this is 
the offense is scarier now and is explosive now right now than it's been in and in the last few years they had a running game and and the quarterback was the biggest issue with whether it was Alex Smith out there on one leg or oh hey Taylor Heineke every week let's just hold our breath whoa he did it again it was pretty good they found a way to win I mean that's kind of the bar we were at with Heineke so that's where you know again I'm sitting here going wait we're gonna like let those guys kind of have a free pass when they do nothing for the football team and now we have a guy who does some stuff that go above and beyond and he's new to the system and it's not perfect and then he gets crushed every time he drops back to pass but we're going to bring him out about the quarterback play and I know he wasn't really directly trying to criticize Carson Wentz but the way he said it and how he said it that's what it leads everybody to believe and think. And that's where I think we're talking about it and saying it's, it's unfair to Carson Wentz and it's, it's not right with some of the things he tried to portray in the whole situation. We expect an NFL head coach, especially a two-time coach of the year, to be in better control of what he says, what he means, how he says it, how he communicates. Communication is one of the most important aspects of the job. Now, at some point, I need to ask this question to Matthew Barry because being a Commanders fan, because he's a lifelong fan of that franchise. Yeah, that's right. It, it reminds me of the old episode of The Simpsons where Bart asks the Sunday school teacher, isn't going to hell basically like getting into a hot bathtub and eventually you get used to it. I mean, if you're a Commanders <laughs> fan, eventually you just get used to the hell that is your status in life. And I say that because for the Steelers and their fans, they're not used to this. They've been thrown into that hot bathtub unprepared with a team that was giving off vibes of go ahead and doubt us. Remember Peter King at training camp with Mike Tomlin? Yeah, Tom's right. like, bring it on, bring it on. Yeah. Oh, they brought it on. Yeah, yeah. Oops, oops. <laughs> yeah. Don't bring it on quite that hard, <laughs> yeah, please, right. Buffalo Football Bills. started. <laughs> um, here's, here's Tomlin, because now that they've crossed the bridge on changing quarterbacks, there's still a lot of angst and and complaining from Steelers fans about the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Here's Tomlin from yesterday talking about the team's struggles and his own personal confidence, and he may be the only one in the Pittsburgh area who has confidence in their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Have a listen. Largely, um, we, we were a disaster kind of in all three phases, and we have to own that, starting with myself, and I do. Um, and equally as important, uh, we got to build a plan in which to move forward. Like I also mentioned after the game, um, you know, all, all things are on the table when you perform like that. And, and, and I wasn't just talking tongue-in-cheek. I mean it. I just think when, you, when you're up against it, man, you you got you to gotta really look at all components of what it is that you do. Um, not for the sake of changing, but for, the, for, the, for change for the better. You talked about not shooting the hostage, but, I mean, since Matt took over last year, the numbers have been lackluster and they've regressed even off of last year. I mean, what's your level of confidence in his ability to game plan and put you guys in the end zone? I'm confident, but confidence means very little. Um, it's what's on tape. Um, and, and so we understand that. We understand the nature of your questioning. Um, uh, that's just where I'm at with it right now. I'm not changing for the sake of changing. I'm changing if I th- feel like it produces a better desired outcome in any area. And so we're looking at those things. We're open to those things, but but not in an effort to, to quell the masses or anything of that nature. Right, Chris, you've experienced this before. Here's the problem. If you fire Matt Canada, who's the backup offensive coordinator? Right. We talked about that before. When, right. when Jeff Tedford checked out in Tampa right before the start of the season. 
Josh McCown told me the story at the time of what a mess it was because you had a bunch of young assistants and there's nobody there to take over. It's just a mess at that point. But what can you really do if the team isn't winning? You're changing the tire on the moving car. You have a game coming up. You've got to get ready for that game. How in the world, short of a full-blown bye week, do you have any opportunity to make any meaningful changes on the fly? You're locked in. The train's rolling. You just have to get ready for the next game with what you have. That's how I look at it. I'm, I'm I don't know what major changes. There aren't enough hours in the day to make major changes because you got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming to town yeah. in four days. No, you're right. I mean, that's a major change. And I'm with you. I'm one that sits there and goes like, man, it's it's rare. You know, firing the offensive coordinator in the middle of the season is one that I'll put my hand up and go, I think that's probably the proper thing to do. Every now and then, I think the the opportunity arises or the the circumstances call for, well, it's so bad, there's no future here at all. I don't look at it that way here with Pittsburgh, though, and Canada as the OC. I don't totally, right? I know it's not perfect, but this is where, again, I, I will stick up for him to a degree here. At least on this side of the this side of the ball, it's hard, okay, to be a good offense in football with a crappy O line. All right, a crappy O line, and you know, again, pass protection wise, I'm gonna say it's below average, but not much bo- below average. When it comes to run game blocking, they they are sucky ducky. They stink. They are definitely one of the worst run blocking offensive lines in football. So there's never anything there that. They're allowed to play that off of. And Matt Canada, again, I think is a guy that wants to run the ball. He wants to move the quarterback a little off of running the ball. But when you can't do that, it chops a big leg of your, you know, systematic approach out from underneath you. So, you know, he's not going to reinvent himself right now into something totally new. And instead of like, you know, like you're talking about changing the tire on a moving car, I look at it as more as maybe we just got to change the hubcap here and change the philosophy of how we're playing on the offensive side of the ball and readjust. That would be my biggest thing, Mike. It's something I I brought up a little last week, but even the start of this game last weekend, you know, every game is start out with, oh, we're going to try to get some balance and Najee Harris. It's over. Give it up. Najee's good, but it doesn't matter if you got Superman or Najee, Najee Harris or you bring back Bo Jackson or whoever. They're not going to be able to run for anything behind this offensive line to where I just feel like maybe they need to change the approach just to make you know best of what they got here instead of trying to kind of put the round peg into the square hole and try to try to work it like that all the time right now. And that's always the best coaching. Taking the guys you have, do what they do well, don't do the things they don't do well. The problem, though, is then you become one-dimensional, you become uh, yeah. predictable at yeah. this point where your guys just aren't good enough. And I thought, and I had too much faith in Mike Tomlin this year, I thought he would be able to take whatever he had because we've seen this before from Yeah, him. we have. Sure. Whatever he has, he can whip it into something competitive. But obviously against the Buffalo Bills, 38-3 loss, the team's worst defeat since week one of the 1989 season. And I went down the YouTube rabbit hole on that game. I found that game, at least a shortened version of it. My gosh. With Joe Namath on the call alongside Tom Hammond for NBC. Oh, it's amazing. 1989. Wow. The shoulder pads were gigantic. <laughs> right. The helmets. The neck rolls. prehistoric. 
they're so basic compared to the very complicated and convoluted helmets we now see. Right. The the green carpet, rock hard astroturf, just just amazing to go back and and see that. But that day was fifty one to nothing thirty three years ago for the Steelers, and Sunday was the worst experience since then. Not that it's going to be thirty eight to three against the Bucks at home, but they're going to well, find themselves in another situation where they're they're down. And what are they going to do? Are they going to keep pushing? Are they going to keep pressing? I think Ryan Clark suggested maybe guys gave up on Sunday, then he tried to walk it back a little bit. But but something happened there to get their doors blown off. And on top of everything else, right? You, you got to convince the guys there's hope. There's a reason to go out there and play your asses off. It's pride. It's whatever. They're they're not done yet. No. And this is the thing. Whenever you write them off is when they're dangerous, but it just feels like this year it's not going to matter. Well, yes. and maybe that plays into their hands, but it feels to me like it's not going to matter. I maybe they shock us this weekend. I don't think it matters. I, I think your gut's right on this one. You know, the thing I come back to in the years where you talk about, right, when we've seen them in this situation, you know, again, in those years, they had somewhat of a semblance of a running game to where they could hang in there. But more importantly, Mike, to your point in these years when they hung in, what was the one thing they always had? It was defense, right? There's, there's roster problems across the board right now. You know, they've got some aging guys up front that are just not the same anymore or not as dominant. It's coming to an end. First-round picks in Bush who didn't quite work out. Lost Bud Dupree in free agency. You know, so that's the other thing that you couple with this, the offensive issues. But the offense is being asked to play a game right now because the defense is so bad that then they have to kind of break out of their mold too. So I think this is a totality issue that we're talking about. Again, hey, Kenny Pickett, hey, you get to make your first start in Buffalo, and by the time you warm up, you'll be down 21-3 to because Josh Allen's going to throw bombs and lasers, and you're going to blink and go, whoa, what happened to the game? Good congratulations. And Matt Canada, congratulations to you. You got to make it happen, or we're all going to blame you. I mean, that, I mean, again, that's what really happened. We're going to talk about that side of the ball when the defense just got absolutely ab- obliterated. They had him pinned on the two-yard line, 98-yard touchdown. So it's, it's a lot of things there in Pittsburgh right now. And to your point, Mike, I don't think they can overcome it, not this year. They've got the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. Now, the Dolphins don't seem to be the juggernaut that they were a couple of weeks ago, so maybe they can win one and go into the bye at 2-6. and six. Even then, in the AFC, in the AFC North, with the Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens, Finito. not going to be easy. Finito. Not going to be easy for yeah. the Steelers. And uh, it's it's unfortunate, in part because I picked them to win the division. But I'll try to talk about that as little as possible as the season continues to unfold. I did not pick the Broncos to make the uh, division championship or qualify for the postseason at all. They are getting ready for a Monday night game. They get the longest break you could have without a bye week from Thursday to the following Monday. Nathaniel Hackett, coach of the team, addressing reporters earlier this week on the team's offensive struggles and, more importantly, the status of quarterback Russell Wilson with that shoulder injury that's got the muscle tear in the lat like the Dak Prescott injury from training camp of 2021. His status for Monday night football also addressed by Hackett. Here he is. 
negative place. Uh, I think that's been kind of one of our nemesis. Um, we, we've been really good in some explosive passes down the field. I, I think we're pretty high up there in the league, and, and we have some really good explosive. We're really feast or famine, and it's in the red zone, and it's uh, in the middle of the field. Uh, the amount of get back on tracks we have are, is just too difficult. We need to be way more efficient on first down, getting positive yards, and even just incompletions instead of sacks or penalties. So I think those are the things that we're focusing on, trying to narrow down the things that we want to be great at, and then continually developing those. Where does it stand with Russ, is he going to be able to play, or where does it stand with him and his shoulder right now? Yes, and- no, he, sh- he should be ready to play. He flew to L.A. on Friday for a platelet-rich plasma injection to try to heal the shoulder. Right. And look, it, it felt like excuse-making. Maybe he really did need it, but the way that it was presented to the media exactly at right. a time when it was open season on Russ, and, right. and I had a problem with that. We haven't had a chance to talk about the Thursday night game because only one of us works on Friday. That's right. But but I had a problem with all the people yeah. who who have known that Russ is kind of a phony. It's sure. kind of contrived. It's kind of manipulated, and, and that's fine. I mean, is it? When he's winning. Is it manipulated? No, no. My point is, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I know. He's, he's a dork. This, he's a nerd. He's got I this got it. image, but yeah. he's got this image practicing press conferences when he was seven years old. Like, are you really getting the true guy or are you getting what he thinks he should be? Yeah. Not who he is. Right. But how he believes he should present himself. So there has been a question of whether or not he's truly authentic. My point is, why do you wait until he sucks? To bring it up. Yeah, I hear you. Like, it's piling like, on. I, I got issues with Aaron Rodgers. I don't wait until his career starts to crumble to say, well, that guy's been an ass all along. Right. I'm willing to say he's an ass. You did it last year good. in the middle of an MVP season. Right. Right. Yeah. So my, my point is, and I, I just didn't like, I'm not going to name names. I didn't like this. Well, now Russ sucks. So we're going to talk about what an ass he's been all these years and how, you know, he snubs people and he's a phony and he's a big shot and he's this and he's that. Why don't you say it when he's good? Say it when he's good. Don't wait until he's bad. If you got a problem with the guy, say it when he's good. That, that was what I had an issue with. But, but he was horrible on Thursday night. He was booed more, I would say, in that one game yeah. than he's ever been booed in his life right. combined. Yeah. And, and this whole shoulder thing just felt like a, hey, you know, give me a break here. I'm playing through an injury that's so bad I had to fly to L.A. to get some kind of funky treatment it did seem in the like hopes that. of being able to keep playing. Sure. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it did seem that way. And, and I don't, you know, it did seem like I, I know I'm not saying there's not a legit problem, but it seemed like it was released right in the time when, Man, people are on me a lot. Let me call Jimmy Fallon and tell him I uh, got a shoulder injury. Or, you know, I'm, I'm having fun with our contract talk there. But Oh, but that that's absolutely right on the money. Right. Like Jimmy Fallon, oh, you want to be the highest paid player in football? Like Jimmy Fallon knows who the right. highest paid player in football is or cares. But yeah, there's, there's that element of it all being contrived. Yes. Of it all being, that's why I said manipulated. It's all, and, and it fits with the narrative that people decided to start hitting on Friday because he sucks now it's okay to talk about these things when somebody's playing well. Yeah. And and it just, it feels to me like it's phony. Right.
It's I, hard. It's hard for me to to well, not it's got, feel that way. It's getting personal a little bit now. You know, yeah. I mean, it it seems like it's personal. I mean, we got one guy whose feelings were hurt because he didn't get dapped up at an <laughs> award <know>. show. Okay, <laughs> right. like I, I mean, again, Russell Wilson. The one thing I can say is he's not impolite or mean to anybody because he cares what everybody thinks. Right, Mike? Right. So he wouldn't right. do that deliberately or try to be mean. All right, and that's so, but we have people now piling on because of that, and he didn't play well, which I think is unfair. And of course, ex teammates that pile on him too. And yeah, he's not playing well. You know, Mike, I, I broke this down last week during my pod on a Wednesday before the, before the Thursday night game. Did some videos on it. I think you might have seen one or two on social media just because, yeah, it, it, he's not playing well, and he's not seeing the field well. And if it's not, I think we discussed this a little bit on the podcast, you know, before the game on Thursday, if it's not a one-on-one shot or the first read just wide open, there's just no telling where the ball is going to go with Russell Wilson right now. He's got a little bit of an aspect of, wait, the first read's not there. Oh, gosh, let me look around and scramble and then just throw a short pass and kind of work like that right now. He's got a little bit of an element like that or just bad – you know, feel in the pocket where plays I look at go, wait, why are you leaving the pocket? It's good here. Or just pat the ball an extra time and the 20-yard curl is going to be open there on third and eight. And and there's just, there's that right now where it's a little bit all over the place. There's always been reluctancy to throw the ball down the middle of the field. I think they're slowly orchestrating ways out of that. But yeah, there's too much just looking for the one-on-one shot right now instead of playing system quarterback football, and he's leaving plays and completions and yards on the field just like we saw with the last play of the game, right? He just, I don't know, for whatever reason, made up his mind he wasn't going to work over there to K.J. Hamler. And, I mean, it was a walk-in touchdown to what K.J. Hamler was talking about. We even showed a, a group of plays that we just showed a minute ago where he throws a fade down the left sideline. The concept on the right's open. Here you go. Look at the top of the screen. I don't know what you could be thinking here. It's like he made up his mind that I'm going to throw to Cortland Sutton because he's my best receiver, and I'm just going to go there. I'm going to go to the one-on-one guy instead of going, wait, the play, the way I was taught, the look I got right here tells me to look at this side first, and then I come back to Cortland Sutton if I see nothing. And that's what I would be doing too if I was K.J. Hammer because he just is – he lost the opportunity to be the star of the game. But there's there's a lot of that going through the last three or four weeks, Mike. And here's the other side of the, oh, my shoulder is in such a bad spot. I have to fly to L.A. the next day to get a platelet-rich plasma injection. Right, right. Why is that. Nathaniel Hackett, why is he putting the ball in his hands in that spot then, fourth and one? Doesn't Hackett know the shoulder's messed up? He got fourth and one from the five in overtime where a field goal extends the game and maybe leads to a tie, touchdown wins it, why are you in shotgun formation? Why? You know, there was a play the Packers had against the Giants on Sunday where they're down at the goal line and they do a little, you know, you line up under center, yeah. fake a handoff, fake a second one, guys wide open. Do something creative like that. Make the Colts wonder whether or not you're going to run the ball or sure. maybe just run the ball as Richard Sherman shouted into his microphone multiple times on the post-game show on Thursday night. Well, I, I mean, the, first and, off, and I didn't like... the same thing at the end of regulation. Yeah. At the end of regulation, same thing. Why not run the ball third and four up three with 219 to play and try to get the first down instead of throwing the ball to the end zone and letting it be picked off and setting the stage for the Colts to tie the game and force overtime in the first place? Why are you trusting the guy if his shoulder's that messed up? That's that's, my point. Yeah, I I hear you. Because, one, the the shoulder's not that bad. We know that, to your point here. You know, he's going to play Thursday. There's no doubt about it. There's never been even a question about it. 
So this is one of those where you'd like to see the player just not bring it up. Don't, don't you know, it, it seems like an, his agent or somebody close to him made sure this was out in the media. That that's where that's where Russell Wilson can frustrate people. That's where people pile on because of that. Where you just go, wait, you're fine, you're gonna play. It's, hey, you're banged up. So are a lot of people in football. This is one you'd like to see go to the school of Matthew Stafford quarterbacking. Suck it up, and somebody will find out within the next month or so, and then they'll be, hey, Russell's been playing banged up, right? I mean, that's what Matthew Stafford does. That's what a bunch of quarterbacks in football well, do. We ne- with Stafford, we may never find you ne- out. Never now. Or Brady playing with a bad knee the year they're going to the Super Bowl. They'll never find out. I didn't make an excuse. Just kept playing. He knew it would get out. People would be, you know, get it out there, and he'd look right when all said and done. But so Hackett, he calls those plays because there's there's nothing dramatically wrong with his throwing. He's got enough power, and you don't see an issue. You don't see him, you know, grimacing or anything like that. Now the other thing too is I don't like people bagging on Russell Wilson though for run the ball. That's the other thing I like. Like he's calling the plays. You know that that's one where no, that's Nathaniel Hackett's you know fault there. That's that's not let's not put everything on Russell here. It's like the Carson Wentz piling on here. Now we're just going to blame him for everything. Yeah, he hasn't been good. I've been here saying that it's it's been bad. But when it, we can't put every issue of the football team on him, and some of these things he can't control. He didn't control the end of the game management in the fourth quarter against Seattle, right? And he didn't control how these plays were called here. Now I think his influence because they want to make the Russell Wilson thing work and look so good influences them to let's maybe throw a touchdown pass and have Russell win the game in the fourth quarter or, you know, in overtime or whatever there. I do think that influence pressures Nathaniel Hackett, but I'm not going to blame Russell there for, for that one. Well, and I think you're right, and this is the problem that teams get into. They feel like they have to justify the exactly. big moves they've made. Right. So we've spent all this money. We gave up those draft picks. He's the centerpiece of the team. Why wouldn't we be letting him – decide the outcome of this game when in reality part of the challenge and this gets back to the Steelers different concept but maybe you should just do what works right or like the Dallas Cowboys feel like you have to do right yeah it's like the Dallas Cowboy conversation if Dak Prescott was throwing for less than 200 yards a game like Cooper Rush we'd all be going wait what's the problem here but because they're paying them 45 million dollars a year to your point you know, that's not what we expect, and that's not how they call the game when he's in there. So hopefully they change. But, yeah, I think we're, we're on the same page here. Russell's not been good. It's been bad, and he is not playing quarterback well. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Russell Wilson fan. He's consistently been in the, the Chris Sims top ten quarterbacks for a long time. He's not playing like a top ten quarterback right now. There's no doubt about it. He's he was not, as high as number three one he's year. Had, he's been up there. There's no doubt. But right now, it is it is outside of the top ten type of football. Like I said, you, we can blame Nathaniel Hackett for some of these issues. But, man, I've watched them every week on film and come away every week going, I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he didn't throw to that guy. I'm not sure where he's looking here. And there's just too much of that for a guy that's as talented as he is and as good as he's been throughout his career. We've got four more Russell Wilson and the Broncos standalone games over the balance of the season. Monday night against the Chargers. There's a Sunday morning. It's only on ESPN Plus against the Jaguars coming up later this month. There's a Sunday night game. Chiefs-Broncos later in the year. Subject to the flex, but as someone said to me, they're not going to flex Patrick Mahomes out of 
primetime, and those are all NFL decisions, not NBC decisions. And then Christmas Day, Broncos-Rams. Boy, that game is losing luster by the second yeah, with seriously. both teams at two and three. We'll watch it because it's Christmas, it's on TV, and what else are we going to do, interact with family? So it, it'll, be, it'll be something to enjoy, but it may not be as enjoyable as we thought, and it may be enjoyable for other reasons. Because, Chris, we got to take a break, but that Thursday night game, my son and I were talking about this when we were watching the Chiefs-Raiders game, which was obviously far more exciting. Yeah, just a little bit. What Al Michaels said in the third quarter, and I loved his willingness to call it what it was. Right. Sometimes it's so bad it is kind of good. Yeah, it was. After putting in three and a half hours, we at least got exciting finish. Yeah. After all that time we invested, we got an exciting, here it is, make the player go home. You know, and and it was dragged out with a couple of timeouts. So we had like five minutes of true excitement on the back end of this crap game. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, it was the two quarterbacks that were supposed to save the franchises. And one of them where you go, wait, he's got some talent around him and he's pass protected and he's not making it happen in Russell Wilson. And Matt Ryan, where I think we, you know, I knew he throw some, threw a dumb interception in the football game. He threw two of them, but one was really dumb. But nonetheless, there was another guy where they couldn't run the ball, they couldn't protect him, they were being totally dominated, and he kind of kept his game, kept his team in the game. And how many times did he hang in the pocket and people are hitting him? And he's done. I mean, I give him a lot of credit, even though he's not playing his best either. Uh, he made the most, you know, out of chicken s h, you know what? And of yeah. course, Russell's not doing that right now, and that's where you know the difference of that football game was for sure. We've been good through 50 minutes. We have yet to say anything we shouldn't say. I really wanted that game to end in a tie, though, because I wanted the Colts to be 1-2-2 two, and two, because that would have been a reminder of the old hockey standings <laughs> back when they had ties. And you would see, like, just this weird, like, because there were ties all the time in hockey kids. Back before they resolved it with five-minute overtime and a shootout, which is, like, I think, what they do now, it just should be over. That's it. Regular season game. Right. See ya. 60 minutes Go up. 2-2. Two to two, everybody goes home. And it's a tie, and you are one, two, and two, or seventeen, thirteen, and ten. Just it was frustrating, but that's just the way it was. All right, the way it is in New England, Mac Jones is the starting quarterback, unless he isn't. Will he be the guy when he recovers from his high ankle sprain? We'll take a look at what Bill Belichick said earlier this week on that subject when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.